0: Hello, and welcome to Driven Creatively Mad, where I interview creators who aspire to earn a living from their art. I'm your host, Chris Black, and on this episode, I'm speaking with Adam Dotti. He's a former corporate IT professional who left his day job to work in indie film and to open his own meadery to make and sell honey-based wine. So Adam and I met a few years ago at a local comic book store in Columbia, South Carolina. Along with a couple friends there, we started a comic book podcast together called the Dollar Bin Comics Podcast. Now that show's no longer in production, but Adam and I have remained friends since, and I knew he would be a comfortable person for me to interview for this show. Now this is my first interview with the new direction that I'm taking, driven creatively mad. But this is a great interview and one I think you'll really enjoy. Now, as a side note, I just want to point out that my audio setup for this first interview was not ideal. My microphone has a noticeable echo. Unfortunately, I didn't have the room properly treated to eliminate echoing, so I apologize in advance. But anyway, let's get to that interview. Adam. Yes. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, Uh, Adam, you're an audio guy. Why don't you describe in a little more detail What exactly you do with audio?
1: So I am a location sound mixer for film and corporate work and a uh, post audio editor for uh, for film and and corporate work and stuff like that as well. I also enjoy producing audio.
0: Nice. So I've kind of got an advantage in this conversation because I've known you for the better part of 14 years. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I believe you got started with audio through music.
1: Yeah. When I was in high school, some friends and I, you know, decided we wanted to start a band. None of us owned any instruments or played any instruments, but we were, we we were friends and we wanted something to do. So we were like, let's start a band. And I ended up there like, Hey, you're going to play bass. And I was like, sure. I'll play bass. And so I started playing bass, <laughs> you know, you I didn't, serious?
0: yeah, I mean, that's, nobody yeah. knew how to play any instruments. No,
1: none of us knew at all. We just wanted to play them. I think my neighbors owned a bass guitar and actually okay. which which I and, and, a, and a guitar and I actually still have that guitar. I got it from for like 20 bucks or my brother played it or something. I still have it around here somewhere. But yeah, they they were like, hey, we want to play guitar. And I was like, OK, well, someone's got to play bass. Let's let's do this and i remember lo- looking through bass like a bass buyer's catalog like on a trip to the beach and i was just like flipping through this catalog picturing myself playing bass until i finally got one i think i got it for christmas we all we all got our instruments for christmas so like okay. all, all all three of us all got instruments for christmas so that we could start a band
0: <laughs> so so that band wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for the parents
1: yeah. I mean, like I, I wasn't, I I didn't have a job. I wasn't buying a bass guitar. Yeah, I, I think it's funny. I, I guess the parents had to have gotten together. I have no idea how that happened. I mean, my parents weren't like friends, so I guess now, I'm sure y'all just
0: talked about it. Like I really want a bass. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure I went to the music shop like a hundred times and was just like playing basses And I was like, mom, this is what I want for Christmas. And I mean, I think I, I, I got the cheapest bass there. You know, I don't think there was a cheaper bass than the one that I got. So it was like a, it was a black and white Fender Squire, four string bass, P bass, which at the time I had no idea what that meant. It was a bass. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I'm not a music
0: guy, so I have no idea what that means.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, no, that's just how it started. We just got Christmas presents and then we started learning how to play our instruments. I I took lessons from a couple of different instructors and just learned how to play bass. And I, I was trying to teach myself early on. And I learned that I was doing a lot of things wrong. And then I learned from the instructor the proper way to do them. But then like, I actually see people now that play bass that are like professional, like really good bass players. And they do a lot of the things that I was doing wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So with, so the band in high school, I take it that didn't stick together because you're not doing it now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, we, we went through all sorts of iterations where we were kicking people out and replacing people and it was like one of my, one of my best the best friends that the guitarist who was me and his brother and him started the band originally we ended up kicking him out and and replacing, him and you know it's high school you know there's a lot of drama in life we there was another guy that we really he was a really good singer and we wanted him in the band and he wouldn't be in the band with the other guy and we're like well business is business bro yeah (laughs) yeah and then and then yeah that just didn't that just kind of fell apart and then uh, i joined another band after that and it was a lot of the same stuff it went over like a lot more years and we were much more professional we played a lot bigger shows but um same stuff like hey Like our singer, when I joined up, he was, he was, he had like great charisma. He was a great guy. And we want to change the direction of the band and you can't sing the direction we want to go. So you got to go. And it was like a really weird thing. You know, he had, like I said, great charisma, great stage presence. He was more like the rap core kind of a uh, kind of singer. And yeah. so we, we wanted to move in a more melodic direction. And so we were like, got to find a new bass, not got to find a new singer. Okay. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Well, no, it happens. No hard feelings. <laughs> business is business, bro. So when I met you in, I still can't do the math, 2006. Yeah. I guess you were coming off the tail end of doing music like that. And you and I, with a couple other friends, I think we all kind of met at the same, well, at least mm-hmm. I met everybody at the same time, pretty much. We started a podcast. Yeah. So you brought your your music skills and like some of the things you've learned or all the things you've learned with with mics and audio production to podcasting like 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I definitely I definitely like when, when I moved away from the band thing and I moved to that was all in Maryland. When I moved to South Carolina, I was I was looking kind of in the idea of maybe not starting a band, but starting a uh, recording studio. Because okay. I started doing more of that type of stuff when I was up in Maryland before I moved to South Carolina. And so I was starting to amass like recording studio equipment, like small kind of equipment so I could start recording bands. And I'd actually recorded a two-piece band probably like a month or two before the podcasting started. I came into podcasting really approaching it from a recording studio kind of session I think I leave this part of the story out a lot when I, when I talk about things, but when I was in college, my girlfriend worked at the radio station at her college. And so she was the, uh, the coordinator at her radio station and she okay. was recording a lot of her radio shows. Like she would have guests come on and stuff. And she was recording all those on like a uh, Sony mini disc. You remember those? So no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no so- I don't.
1: <laughs> so she was recording a lot of her stuff and she would, she would bring that, home to me and I would edit it. So I started editing her recording shows, which I I don't know why I always forget that, but I definitely did. And that's really where my, like my, my podcasting, like, yeah, sure. I was doing the recording studio stuff, but I was also recording and editing these, uh, these radio shows. I was doing very simple edits, but. So would she
0: record those live and then you would edit again and they would save them and would she just save them for a portfolio or were they going to be re-released?
1: I think she was saving them. I know that at the end of the year, one year, all the ones that she had recorded, she had burned the CDs and given Mm -hmm. copies to the people that were, that participated. So like all the other college students that had like their own shows and stuff, like she gave them copies of their shows. I think she re-aired some of it. I know there was one where she actually came over my house and we pre-recorded, like she was like, Hey, I want to have you on my radio show. Let's do like a like a pick your favorite songs thing and we'll play them. And we were just, we set up like in, in like my bedroom or whatever with some microphones and we recorded a radio show that we then edited basically the exact same thing as podcasting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it sounds exactly like what we're doing right now, except we're a couple hours apart.
1: (laughs) Right. And it didn't exist at the time. So like we were doing we were just pre-recording radio shows is what it was. We were just doing that.
0: When was this? Like, was this like 2003 Yeah, it
1: was, it was probably around 2000, 2002, 2003, okay. somewhere around there.
0: So yeah. way before podcasting right. was a, was a thing.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, I, and, yeah. And she, I think, she, I can't remember if the, at this time she was interning. At one time she was interning at one of the local rock uh, radio stations. So she kind of had some experience in uh, the studio there because they would record promos and stuff like that. She had worked uh, to help record promos and stuff. So she kind of brought the idea of that to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she, she was doing that kind of stuff. So definitely went hand in hand and, and, you know, I don't know why I always forget that part of the story, but I was basically doing podcasting before I was doing podcasts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, while you were talking about that, I looked it up and podcasting started in 2004. Yeah, yeah. So you and were was, working on those skills well before <laughs> you know, that even started. Okay, so like, there is a technical side of me that wants to ask like technical questions. Were you editing on like, a PC or a Mac? So I was
1: editing most everything on uh, a laptop. So I had torrented.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Okay, Wait, so, what was that? What it was called back then? No,
1: no, I probably <laughs> got it. I don't know, Napster did or something. Uh, file just... shared it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but no, but it's cool because it all worked out in the long run. I was using this software that was easy to find cracked versions of called WaveLab, or also I was using Cubase. And at the time, you know, I didn't have any money and I was like, hey, who cares?
0: (laughs) No, but (laughs) I think every college kid from the early aughts was doing the same thing, no matter what side of art they were in.
1: Yeah. So I was editing a lot in in WaveLab and also I would use SoundForge. It actually worked out because I am a Steinberg Cubase guy now. That's everything I record and edit these days is all in Cubase and WaveLab are Steinberg project products and that's what okay. I use. So though I torrented it in college They've gotten thousands of dollars of my money at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, it
0: works out. I mean, like when I was in school, it was very common for people to crack Adobe software like Photoshop. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah and that's why they're so f- popular now because all the people yeah. are cracking it when they're in college. So now they have yeah. to pay
0: for it. And just to like paint a picture, for me, college was like 95 to 2000. So yeah, it's uh, 20 years ago. For me, over it was 20 it years was, ago. It was 90. Uh, 90-
1: Eight to 94. And I got two and a half, ba- uh, two and a half associate degrees in that time. <laughs> okay, so yeah. the
0: podcasting. Yeah.
1: Which also was recorded in Steinberg, Cubase, and WaveLab when we started doing the podcast back in uh, 2006. Oh, Sa- same. you used Audacity. Same Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, okay. I've, I've, okay. Never, I've, ne- I've used Audacity. I got you to use Audacity. And when you were trying to edit some stuff, I hooked uh-huh. you up because Audacity was free. And I I know I have used Audacity, but no, that was all all Steinberg, all Cubase. Again, at that point, I was already paying for stuff.
0: With the production work you're doing now on, on sets, what skills have you brought from editing podcasts, recording podcasts, and even your experience with being in a couple bands in your <laughs> yeah. younger years.
1: There's, like I said, there's a couple of different aspects of what I do, especially like with film audio, there's location sound mixing, which is when you're actually on set or on location and you're recording the sound and then you've got post editing and stuff like that. So from the location sound mixing,
0: po- post editing is editing yeah. the audio a- after yeah. like you're not on set. This is when you've come back to your studio or <laughs> you're in someone else's studio with them.
1: Yeah, and that's okay. more like mixing an album. When you're miking drums and stuff like that and miking guitars, vocals are or you know, you kind of sing into a mic, but when you're when you're miking drums and guitars, it's all about mic placement. It's not all mm-hmm. about a lot of it's about mic placement. So, and the and the using the proper mic for the proper job. And so, a lot of that stuff I carried over into the idea of being on set and using a a, a shotgun condenser mic. I use a Sennheiser MKE 600. Well, there's definitely microphones I'd rather own than that. But as far as the mid-grade microphones, I don't think it can be beat. Like, I love it. I love its sound. I love its, so, its quality and its crispness.
0: So you can get cheap mics under 100 bucks, and then you've got high-end shotgun mic. It's a really long mic yeah. that... That's very directional in how it picks up sound. Is that right?
1: Yeah, correct. There's all sorts of different directional patterns, but it's a super cartoid. So So a super cardioid microphone has a very narrow cone because the way sound works is it starts from a small point in the microphone and it just gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider. So the further away the microphone is, the more extra sound all around you're going to pick it's up. It's like right? a flashlight.
0: The further away yeah, something is from a flashlight, the more yep. it can light it up. Yeah. But yeah. the,
1: but then also like the dimmer, it gets, you know, the same kind of yeah. thing with sound. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah. So the, the shotgun
1: mic is a super cardioid, So it means it has a very narrow cone and it has like noise canceling on the sides. So when you point it at someone's mouth, you're going to get more of that mouth and you won't necessarily get the, the sounds to the left and right of the person as much. Okay. The first set I ever worked on, I didn't own a, a boom pole. It was real long poles. You, know, you put a mic on the end and you hold it way out over the people.
0: Um, yeah. You hold your arms up over your head. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm only 5'8", which is an average height. I mean, Chris is a lot taller than me. But uh, I'm just 6'1". Yeah, it's a lot taller than me. <laughs> <So>. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of hard. Like I did, like we're like being shorter, I'll say, because if I was a tall person as a boom operator, you don't have to really hold your arms up as high and out out as far. But being being shorter, I feel like I'm constantly always having to stand on my tiptoes and reach to get the mic above people. I didn't have a boom pole, so I didn't have that mic. I had I had a microphone that friends were letting me borrow that I was filming with. And I had a stage microphone pole. So like I was basically using the pole that Mike would be on when you're on stage singing into it. So th- that's, that's what I was using. That as, sounds heavy. Oh gosh, it's so heavy. Like, <laughs> like I can't remember what it's. And I say, you know, it, it sounds ridiculous. Cause I'll be like, oh man, it was like, it's like seven or eight or nine pounds or something. And which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're holding it over your head out for like uh, two minutes at a time and you have a microphone on the end of it, that's heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah. That sounds heavy. Do you uh, do any kind of particular exercises? yeah strengthen your uh, shoulders
1: Uh, yeah like shoulders and and triceps and stuff like that i do basically military presses Um, Okay, you know like it's like
0: sitting you're sitting up and you're pressing up over uh, your head
1: yeah yeah so like if you go to the gym there's the machine sometimes like military presses normally i think are more behind kind of more uh, above behind your head but it's like there's like a machine there's a machine that you like lift and you kind of lift it up over your head and like a little out toward the front
0: of you I, yeah. I don't know what that machine is. I think it's just a shoulder press.
1: Yeah. Oh, it might just be a shoulder press. So yeah, I do the shoulder press and I do a few different things. I haven't been in a gym in a while. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's understandable. But yeah, so I do those and I'll do, I'll do different weights and I'll do like a set of like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 or something. And then the next set, what I do is I'll actually hold it above my head, but like with my elbows bent, so I don't lock my elbows and I'll yeah. just hold the weight above my head for like a minute or two. And then I do another set of like 30 reps or something like that. So it seems to be helping.
0: Have you ever hit anybody in the head? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, normally it's not like from me holding it. Normally it's from it like being on a stand and me setting it up and like not tightening the stand enough or something like that. Which is really embarrassing, especially when you're doing like corporate interview work. And this person's just like got called along to do this interview portion for, to talk about their job. And then now they're getting like hit in the head with microphones and stuff. But it doesn't happen very often, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) And I'm a lot better at it now than I was. That's
0: good. The last thing you want to do is like knock someone out on set. Yeah, no. There's there's a mic on their head.
1: there's a lot of things you learn about like how to properly weight a, a stand or how to properly like tighten things and stuff like that, so that that kind of unfortunate stuff doesn't happen. So that's like that's like the whole practical stuff that you can learn. Uh, there's yeah. de- there's definitely a conversation that I have a lot with people about whether it's worthwhile to go to film school. Like a lot of people say it's not. Like the people, a lot of people mm. that say that they went to film school was like it wasn't worth it. All I got out of it was uh, connections, and then other people are like. Oh, I didn't go to film school. I really wish I had because there's so many things that were trial and error that if I just went to film school, they would have told me up front and I wouldn't have, you know, struggle with this. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of the thing. I think there are definitely fundamentals that you learn in film school that if you go to film school, you're like, oh, of course, everybody knows this. I don't need to learn it. But really, you do. <laughs> and if you didn't go to film school, you probably wouldn't think of some of these things. <laughs> so
0: if, if someone I wanted not. to get into this and they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't want to go to school, like I said, they yeah. just wanted to in, yeah. internal on set. Are there like any resources like books or websites that you would recommend?
1: Yeah. Over the years, I'm always looking for resources on microphone booming or sound mixing. I was reading uh, No Film School. A lot, which was a website online, and I kind of stopped reading it. And I don't know if it's just because I moved beyond what they were kind of talking about and teaching, or if, okay. if, or if I just don't like the direction that the the website started to go. I don't know. But no film school, they're a good resource, or they're probably a good resource, or they were at one time. Oh, <laughs> Film Riot, yeah. So there's a uh, Film Riot is on YouTube and it's it's really good. They're really informative. They do a lot of mo- they mainly focus on like video and stuff, but they do talk about some audio stuff too. And I think a lot of the video stuff that they talk about is helpful for being on set at least. So even as an audio person, I like to be aware of what a lot of the other yeah. roles on set are, and I think Film Riot helps with that. Like they have a lot of BTS stuff, they have a lot of how-to stuff. They're really helpful. There's a guy on YouTube that I found Recently, and I can't remember his name either. Maybe like we can do like a, a links.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So I can
1: put that in there. But he's a sound mixer up in like Canada. And I've been watching kind of some of his videos. And he, he's been kind of helpful on like just kind of making sure that I'm doing things right. Because I've never actually been on set with another sound mixer. Which is a a thing that I talk about, like on set sometimes where I'm just because I was talking about that today. I was on a set today and I was just like, they're like, oh, hey, have you ever worked with this other guy? And I'm like, no, like we're both sound mixers. Why would we both be on set at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) Like either he gets hired for the job or I get hired for the job. I've never even met this guy in real life. I've emailed with him and I've worked on uh, post audio for stuff that he's done on set. But I've never met him in real life because we're never on set at the same time. So there's like all this stuff like I've never I've never done like any internship or I've never worked under anybody. It all started with me helping some friends out on a film and like whatever I said 2012 or whatever that was. And then learning from there, like I did that one film, which still hasn't come out yet. And then I did another film for a friend. They are like, oh, hey, I heard you're starting to do sound mixing. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, hey, I need somebody on this thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll learn how to do it. I'll try it. And yeah. and then it just kept snowballing from there. And I just kept doing more and more. There is someone on Instagram who I follow who, again, cannot remember her name at all. <laughs> but she's a
0: sound. Well, why don't you look? Take, yeah, take that's, the time. that's what I'm trying can, to can do right find now. Her? Yeah, okay. that's what I'm trying
1: to see if I can find her right now. Callie Williams. So uh, Callie Williams is a, is a sound mixer. She's in Los Angeles. She's actually from South Carolina, which is interesting. Uh, and, I think and
0: she, you like, and I are both are in South Carolina. Yeah, right yeah.
1: Now. She's been super helpful. And I I think she's just like she she posts a lot of pictures of, of her, her gear and stuff. And she'll do like uh, ask me any things and kind of like, yeah, nice. she has like a stories, a question story. So people can just ask her questions on her story. And she'll talk about her gear and like her favorite mics and what she uses for certain situations. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, I don't know how Kelly, she's probably at least 10 years younger than me. Maybe, maybe more, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, she's clearly someone that has been doing this and she's got a passion for it and she knows what she's doing and she's, she's done the work. She's, she's done the, she's got acquired the knowledge and I'm ha- happy to siphon whatever I can from that, you know?
0: Yeah. So. This is like something you do on the side. Uh, you have a day job, what I would call just a typical day job. Yeah. For many years, until maybe the last couple years, you and your uncle started a business.
1: Yeah, I am uh, the operations manager at uh, a meadery. So we make honey wine. It's a uh, it's a wine made from honey instead of grapes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I've I've had the wine, yeah. the yeah. honey wine, the mead. Mead, yeah. And it's incredible. It's wandering, wandering bard yeah. metery. Yeah. The goal of this podcast is to talk to people that have a primary job, and then they've got this thing on the side where they create something. You know, wh- whether that's you know <laughs> yeah. something visual or audio. You know, music. Maybe it's photography. Just some something, and. Our day jobs or night jobs, whatever they are, they feel like they, they pull you away from your art. Do you feel like that that affects you? Do you feel like you're getting pulled away from doing the audio stuff? Or are you in a place where you really love your day job and it's just a thing that you do?
1: Okay. So that, that does it takes a little a little bit of a backstory. Hey, I let's was, go back. Yeah, I was an IT engineer. Yeah. So like an IT network engineer, I worked on like switches and servers and stuff like that
0: sounds awesome. Like I'm so excited (laughs) to hear you say that.
1: Like I was actually studying to be a programmer and I decided I didn't want to be a programmer. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll go into web design. And I was like, only a fool would go into web design. And tell me about it. (laughs) And so, and so then I was like, I want to be more physical. I'll, I'll do more like switch installations and and programming servers and stuff like that. So I did that. I did that.
0: Would that be considered networking?
1: Yeah, I consider myself. Well, it depends. I'm like a network or a systems engineer, uh, okay. systems administrator. This is, is all sorts of. I can make all sorts of titles up that people yeah like to give themselves. <laughs> but essentially, I work on Swig, like, like com- the the computer stuff that's not the computer. So I did that for, and I started doing that like in the late '90s. And I was I was yeah I was a computer engineer for years and years. And I the thing I loved most about that job was the troubleshooting. Like I love troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really like when there's something that's broken and it's my job to fix it because if I can't fix it, I'm like, sorry guys, it's unfixable. And they're like, whoa, man. And then if I do fix it, I'm like a hero,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that was like always kind of one of my favorite things to do.
0: (laughs) Sometimes I feel like that doing web design where something's broken on a website and you got to fix it. Usually the people you're fixing it for, so that'd be like your client's. They don't know how to fix it. It's this, it's like this magic that happens behind the scenes. Like, Whoa, how'd you do that? And it's like, Oh, you know, it wasn't hard, but you spent like four hours on it. (laughs) Yeah. Three of those hours was troubleshooting and finding all the ways that you can't fix it until you find, you know, the 15 minute, like, Oh, well, here's how you fix it.
1: Yeah. I do always hate like when people watch me troubleshoot things because when you're troubleshooting, it basically looks like you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole time that's what it looks like and you're just like no this is just how it works you know yeah 80 percent
0: of my day i feel like that (laughs) right
1: (laughs) so i did that for like you
0: know 20 years
1: or whatever and in that same time as when i was still doing music we were doing the the podcast i started doing the film stuff and it's all while i was being an, an engineer a computer engineer and i felt at that time that like i had my day job and i was like man you know i'm starting to do more film work the film work pays probably just as well as the computer work it's just a little bit further in between but i yeah. was like okay like maybe i'll quit like and at this time i was like starting a meadery too and the meadery was like small time like we never intended to really do like a big thing like we wanted to like make some mead and then sell it in a s- like small local market you know that was yeah. like that was our goal so i was like okay well i'm going to quit my my it day job and i'm going to focus on more doing film stuff and audio stuff and then you know maybe focus some more on this metery thing and see if we can help it grow.
0: So so you, so you had you had a day job <laughs> the, yeah. the metery thing going and then the film Yeah, up. yeah. And I had so to three I, things.
1: Yeah, and I kept having to turn down film work because of the day job. I couldn't just take days off off at the day job to do film yeah. work. So and I really wanted to do more film work. So I I decided, you know, to quit my day job. And I still do IT consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically I'm just freelancing three different jobs that I do kind of, even the one that I own. But so when I was doing all that IT work during the day though, I had these, these creative outputs where I was like, Oh man, I can work on this film stuff or I can work on this podcast or I can right. work on like the making some meat stuff or like on my lunch breaks and stuff like that. So I was like doing this like day to day job and then like, it I was like I had these creative outlets and so I didn't really feel that the day job well I felt the day job was getting in the way of my creative outlets and that I couldn't I had to turn down film jobs, but as far as like uh, my own energy I I don't think it did I felt like it was it was a release it was like a different part of the brain that I got to start yeah. using, and but then I quit my day job and I focused more like on this metering the metering since then is like grown exponentially like we're in the process of building out a full-time tap room during a pandemic which is always exciting and fun but yeah so like I'm, i'm like now all of my passions are all consuming my brain and my time all the time
0: do you have an even split among each of those? The meter is yeah.
1: definitely taking over because of all the time we're having to spend building it out and making sure we yeah. get open because we need to get open so we can start making some money. <laughs> We've been investing a lot of money in the meter and time and it's not, uh, it's not open yet. So it's not making yeah. money. Um, we need to start doing that. So that's really taking a big priority of my time. That's like six days a week right now that I'm working on the meter. And,
0: and these are like about, eight hour, like eight ten 10 hour days or. Uh,
1: yeah. I tend to do like nine to six. Or, okay. or that's actually, not,
0: Yeah, I've been that's doing
1: little, no, I've been doing kind of uh, I probably been doing nine to seven thirty lately. But yeah, it's like six days a week. Now, today I was actually on a corporate film shoot. I had to do some emails for an IT job. And then after I got off the corporate film shoot, I went by the metery and I was there for about an hour or two. So I worked three different careers today. And that's pretty common for me to to actually work all three careers on the same day.
0: <laughs> okay. Do, do any of those ever make you feel burnt out?
1: I'm completely burned out right now. Like, today especially, I'm just super burned out. Well,
0: I mean, are you burnt <laughs> out or are you just tired? Like, you just need to, like, you uh, know, get off this this show, <laughs> eat, eat some more dinner, and go to no, bed? Or No, I mean, like, so... Like, I guess another way for me to ask this is, have you ever wanted to quit? To just, like,
1: walk away from one of them? Yeah. Ready IT, for sure. I definitely need to just... Yeah. That that one I'm, I'm completely ready to walk away from before I used to like read all the IT magazines and trades and I like learn about yeah. what's new and install the newest version of Linux and or whatever <laughs> came out. And I used to do all that stuff and I just yeah. do not care about any of that stuff anymore. And like people I work with sometimes will be like, hey, have you read the new? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I don't care about it. But yeah. now with like sound equipment, that's a whole nother story. Like I'm constantly reading about new sound equipment. I'm constantly yeah. following these people. It's like, I'm not following like it people on Instagram. I'm following sound people in, and meteries and breweries on Instagram. That's what I'm spending yeah. all my time on. I'm, I'm done with it. I really hope I don't have to go back to
0: it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I had a similar, similar, I don't know if it's a situation, but I guess a similar thing happened with me where I used to read about web development and web design constantly, like all the time. That's all I wanted to do. I was real nerdy about it. And then, and, and I think it was because I was work. I was trying to work towards a full time career as a web developer and a web designer. And that's what I do now. I, I keep up with the industry, but now I find that it's only to serve the project that I'm working on. <laughs> so now I've shifted to reading more about illustration, cartooning, things I've always been interested in, but it was never the focus of my career. And. I'm just wanting to get back to that and read more about it. So I think that's natural for someone to, to fall into, you know, an interest like that. And then you kind of fall out and you fall into something else.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been good. And like, I, I'm definitely enjoying learning more and more about mead. I've been learning about mead now for, for a while and the, and the different kind of aspects of it and getting, getting better and enjoying a lot of that stuff. Like same thing with audio equipment. There are definitely times when I'm just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I could be relaxing with my wife and my dog, or I could be taking a nap or I could be, you know, listening to a record or whatever. And here I am just working constantly on all these things.
0: What would be an end goal for, for you? It sounds like you want to get rid of the IT stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely ready to get rid of the IT stuff. Um, I want to continue doing film work. The meter is about to consume even more of my time, which I'm yeah. hopefully I, I continue to enjoy it as we grow and as we get out there. And because I, I think you will, yeah, I think so too. I just I think I'm gonna miss doing film work. Like I really enjoy it a lot, and and I, I'm, I'm a little worried about about missing out on that because again, like when I quit my when I quit my day job of IT, a lot of that was so that I could do more film work and I could not have to pass up all these film jobs. So hopefully like once the meter gets going and I get some employees and stuff like that, and I can, I can still take some time to do some film jobs is a big hope of mine.
0: (laughs) So I think we're ready to move into what (laughs) I want to call some rapid fire questions. And there, we've got a little history together with this because you used to do this on podcasts we did years ago. And I actually have a couple of questions. I think I'm going to move into this section because I don't want to yeah. pass them up. Let's see. All right. Okay. So rapid fire questions. First question. So this is like really, just really short. I think, yeah. you know, the drill, but <laughs> sure. for, the, for the listeners, i want to ask a question. Just kind of give me whatever's on the top of your head, yeah. a sentence or less, you know, it could be a word, but what's your favorite time wasting activity?
1: probably instagram at this point really yeah I, I seriously just, yeah i scroll i scroll i scroll, I scroll <laughs> like time wasting like that's such a big waste of time to just scroll through. i do i just scroll i just even like watching tv i'll just scroll through instagram scroll and scroll and scroll okay <laughs> Okay. i wish i wish so, like i wish it was like playing guitar or
0: something yeah. like that
1: but <laughs> nah man the biggest
0: yeah no. i was like totally hoping for like because for me yeah. like scrolling through instagram is like oh i'm in line at the grocery store let me well, and i'm an illustrator yeah right so like i'm really into visuals but like i do my best to avoid instagram
1: i i guess i guess that i guess that doesn't you said favorite and favorite would definitely be playing uh guitar or drums i really just love going to okay. my garage and playing drums. Instagram is what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I would rather be playing guitar drums. See,
0: I, I feel like Instagram's the easy out for that question because that seems like more of a, how do you fill dead space throughout <laughs> well, your day? And yeah. It's like, oh, easy. I pick up my phone and go to whatever social network is my favorite.
1: Well, you know, you said like time wastes. And, you know, I do. Yeah. I like going and playing, strumming the guitar on the couch or playing the drums. Like it's a, it's a thing that I do during like downtime, but like, I don't consider it a waste. I consider scrolling through Instagram a waste.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's move on from, from Adam's time sucking Instagram account. Yeah. What what, do you have a guilty pleasure?
1: I mean, I'm pretty open about stuff. I, I, I don't, I'm not really embarrassed by a lot of the stuff that I like. So
0: well, you don't I, have to be embarrassed, but maybe it's like something you something you do or read or experience that maybe people wouldn't know.
1: I'm probably way more yeah. into wrestling than I should be <laughs> the professional I, wrestling
0: <laughs> i would I would agree with that. <laughs> I am not into wrestling at all, but
1: I've cut it. I've pretty much cut it back to one day a week now. So okay. that's good. I was probably we were probably watching six days of wrestling a week for a while there. So wow, I got that it is down, a lot. I got it down to like one day now. I'm I mean, I'm you... actually losing interest in it. So that's a big part of it.
0: You and your wife, Sean, are y'all have gone to wrestling event, like local wrestling events, right? Oh yeah. In I South mean, Carolina.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Local ones. We've traveled. Uh, we've gone to ones in Georgia, Atlanta, North Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, we, we drive to a lot of events. I, I took two wrestling classes. I, I actually paid for three. I never went
0: back for the third one. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? Let's, let's move on. These are rapid fire. Yeah, so yeah. who's your favorite artist? The first be no, any, not, yeah,
1: the first name that came to my head was Bernie Wrightson.
0: Oh, the illustrator.
1: Yeah, that was he did
0: a uh, Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, yeah he yeah. and like Swamp Thing and some, yeah yeah he was the first name that came to the head when you asked that question. So I'm going to say that he's my favorite artist.
0: Nice. Okay. So, the, <laughs> this one's <laughs> funny. What's one thing that you think you're great at, but you're actually not? Sound design. <laughs> <laughs> That's your serious answer. No. Cause I don't think I'm great at it. Uh... I mean, do you consider yourself like you're, you're still a student. You're still learning.
1: Oh yeah. Like sound. De- well, sound design itself. We didn't even get into like the nitty gritty about the different, po- we never even got to post audio mixing. Like when we were talking earlier, yeah, sound design is kind of a thing that I I think I should really love and enjoy because a lot of people talk about that's their favorite thing because that's where you're actually creating. Like when you do sound design, you're making sounds out of nothing, you know, you're like Mm -hmm. and, and like people are like, it's the fun creative part. But honestly, my favorite thing to do and post is is dialogue editing which people always they're like anybody's like works in like post audio is like oh dialogue getting so boring like create the creative side and the fun part is sound design but like you know coming from like editing all those podcasts hours and hours of podcast editing all that is yeah. is dialogue editing like that's that's what i enjoy doing i like just looking at a sound wave and editing dialogue <laughs> even though everyone says that's so boring and that's like So, so relaxing for me and just like mixing and editing dialogue. I love that. That doesn't actually answer your question, though, because I don't really think I'm great at at, at a lot of things. I think I'm a jack of all trades. That's always been kind of my opinion of myself. Like, I don't feel like I'm good at anything. Like, I feel like or great at anything. Let me say, I feel like I'm good at a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like I'm probably better at a lot of stuff than other people are.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, well, it, you've you've done a lot over the years where you've had to kind of step out of your comfort zone and tackle other tasks that maybe you know another person with a different background would do. So, you know, maybe a little bit of graphic design work. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. you built a website.
1: Yeah. And you built it. the
0: site for the metery.
1: I probably think I'm more humble than I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're one of the most likable guys that I know. (laughs) Sure. So what is one book that's positively impacted your life and your art? Is there a book that you've read that has really (laughs) made an impact on you? Either Uh, personally or creatively?
1: Like, well, like the first book that came, you know, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say Star Wars books. (laughs)
0: like uh novels
1: yeah like star wars novels like all of them i was gonna say lord of the rings but honestly it was star wars novels before it was lord of the rings i read timothy zahn star wars books and kevin j anderson back in the early 90s my dad read the hobbit to me when i was a kid that was my bedtime story i was like seven i have no idea six and he would that was like he would read the hobbit to me and that was that was like definitely instrumental in my love of fantasy and that world but like Star Wars, the movies and then the novels, too, it's just this huge world building. There's so many. But I've, I've pretty much read every Star Wars book that takes place like after the trilogy, for sure. I've read all those. Okay. And the other answer I could give is this. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I remember reading uh, this book with my parents. Like we were, we were laying in bed and we would always read before going to bed. And that's uh, still something I do to this day. But I remember reading this book when, when I was with, with my, uh, my mom and dad, and the book had no words. So I guess we technically weren't reading it. Well, we were reading the, the story. So there was a book, and there were pictures, and there were word balloons, but there were no words in the word balloons. Okay. And my mom and my dad and I took turns going through the book and, and basically ad-libbing the dialogue. So like, my mom would read the book, and she would tell the story as she saw it. And then my dad would read the book and he would tell the story as he saw it. And then I would read the book and I would tell the story. And we would do that like a couple of times over and over again. Like I loved it. So it was this idea that there is a story, but it's it's not finished. And it's very similar to like when you when you write a script or something like that and in mm-hmm. film or like a lot of those things where you have a script, you have a story that you wrote, but then when it gets on set, then the director is going to interpret that script the way that he or she interprets it and that those are the parts that get filmed. And then it's going to go to the editor and the editor will get all the stuff that was filmed. And then he or she will interpret it the way that they see it and piece it together. And like, that's a lot of like, really, that like really open this world of storytelling to me that a story is more than just one point of view, even though it's something that's written, you know? Yeah, like it can it can still be something like everybody, even even if all the dialogue was there in that book, we would all have different backgrounds. We would all have different histories in our lives that make us internally react and think differently to what we're reading on that page. And as a very young child, that was kind of a thing that that I I picked up on. I mean, not probably to that philosophical extent. But it was was definitely a thing that I picked up on. And I think that's that's something that, you know, obviously stuck with me. And and I still think about it to this day. So that was definitely a book. Yeah, (laughs) that was an inspiration to me.
0: Do you remember what book that was? Not a clue.
1: Not a clue. I remember reading it. The other answer I can give to that, you can pick whichever one of these you want.
0: Well, I think they're all just going to go No, this they, is so, <laughs> rapid fire questions I, I, with rapid, rapid fire answers. answers.
1: Yeah. So Sesame Street's the monster at the end of this book.
0: Oh, uh, Grover. Yes.
1: My favorite book of all time.
0: <laughs> yeah. It,
1: it is the perfect book. Anytime a friend of ours has my wife and I, anytime a friend of ours has a new child, a newborn, mm-hmm. we always get that book as a gift. We go around and we collect copies of that book. If we see it in used stores, we have like a stack of them so that we can give them out. Yeah, it's always a gift that we give. It is the perfect book. It is the greatest book ever written. And I love it so much. And again, it's an interactive book, you know, where like essentially I don't know who's listening has read this. If not, you need to go find it and read it. It's amazing. Basically, um, Grover is talking to you and you're flipping. It's called A Monster at the End of this book. And so you're flipping through the pages and the whole time Grover's freaking out because he's in the book and he doesn't want to be you know, uh, he's afraid of this monster at the end of the book. So he's trying to get you to not flip the pages because every time yeah. you flip a page, you get closer to the end of the book. So I love it. I love that book so much. I love the way it breaks the, the, the fourth wall. Is that what it is? <laughs>
0: it, it, yeah. It breaks out of the page. I love yeah, it. I love it so much. Oh it's, yeah. It's, it's completely different. interactive. And it's we've read that book to our kids when they were younger and it's like, <clears throat> it's probably the most fun children's book. I've ever read. And I've read a lot of children's books, even like <laughs> <Yeah>. currently <laughs> my kids don't read them now. Cause they're too old, but yeah, they it's, it's an incredible, I remember reading it when I was a kid, you know, just sitting in my room and like looking at it. And I think, I think mine was the golden Book yeah. Oh, yeah. Version?
1: That's, that's what. Yeah, it's what it. That's what we try to get every time. Yeah, we can get it for sure. And now
0: I think I don't think I don't know if it's a golden book anymore, but I, mean, I think it is. But they don't have, okay.
1: They don't do that hardbound like actual golden spine anymore. It's really just like a folded, stapled. Okay. Back if you buy yeah. the current versions of it, but they actually did do the little uh golden books. Um They are doing re-releases of those. Those are kind of back.
0: Also, awesome. well. yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good note to end on for the show i've got other questions but i don't want to take up too much of your time and create a show that's like way too long to listen to right now. yeah i
1: don't i don't want you to have to edit more than you need to so this was
0: this was wonderful thank you for taking time out of your day at the end of your day your very long long day to talk to me and you know share this stuff with me i really appreciate it (laughs) yeah absolutely thank you so if 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 Anyone wanted to follow you online or follow the metery? What's the, where's the best places to do that?
1: So, the metery is again, it's Wandering Bard Metery. So, you can go to com. We have a new website which is still in the works right now. And there's, I'm actually, I was actually working on it while talking. <laughs> ah. I'm, I'm actually looking at it a little bit and making some so changes. You're not too.
0: done working for the day.
1: No, actually. no, of course not. Um, never. When that's the thing, like when you own your own business, you're never done working. You're always yeah. on the clock. Um, that's
0: okay. I was interviewing someone else while I was interviewing <laughs> you as well.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so com is how you can actually order meat online and we can ship to like 35 different states uh, as well as learn more about us. Also, uh, Wandering on Instagram and Facebook. And then for my film stuff, which I don't post on there very often, I try to post whenever I'm like on a film shoot or something. I did post today it is uh, Dollar Bin Productions. So, Dollar Bin is the podcast that uh, Chris and, and I and others started years ago, and Mm -hmm. I've co-opted it for myself. So I am now like, that was like the Dollar Bend comics podcast. And now I do Dollar Bend productions, any of the film work that I do or any comics work I do or anything like that. I do under Dollar Bend productions. Okay. Great.
0: Well, thank you, Adam. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. And you've been listening to Driven Creatively Mad. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and anywhere else you can find your favorite shows. If you're already subscribed, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting network. Your review will help other creatives find out about the show. Driven Creatively Mad is also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, if you want to help support the future of Driven Creatively Mad and receive exclusive benefits, consider becoming a patron. For just 5 bucks a month, you'll get access to early releases of the episodes, your name mentioned in a future episodes patron shout-out segment, and you'll have the option to submit questions to be asked on the show of future guests. You can become a patron by visiting the website at drivencreativelymad.com. The theme song is used with permission from Ryan Stokes. Again, I'm your host, Chris Black, and until next time, keep creating.